It's time for Inside the Gamecocks, the show with Phil Mullinax and J.C. Sherbert. So how many of you would say you speak English fairly well, but with some difficulty? Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, son. You play to win the game. Now, let's take it away, J.C. and Phil. Inside the Gamecocks, the show, J.C. Sherbert, Phil Mullinax here with you on a Tuesday. Hope all of you are doing well today. Press Conference Tuesday, as it is each and every game week. Uh, Shane Beamer will be talking to the media with some players later today. Kirby Smart had his on Monday. Not a whole lot of extremely interesting things <laughs> that came out of his <laughs> press conference. Uh, he Sometimes Kirby will, will say something cool. He, he's kind of a little different than Saban in the sense that, uh, you know, he, he doesn't always have like this grand opinion about the sport, uh, but he'll, he'll kind of go funny or rogue a little bit of the time. He'll get fired up sometimes, but uh, not this week. They're ready to come open SEC play and play the Gamecocks. And, uh, you know, the one thing I did see that uh, he talked about was the offensive line. I guess maybe there's been some concern. i I haven't seen it, but, uh, you know, yeah. maybe there's been some concern. He said it's hard to tell because we're playing Sanford. No offense to those guys. Uh, of course. <laughs> that was what I was about to say. I mean, do we really know? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, dogs got up 30 nothing and a half and just cruised to a 33 nothing win in Athens last week. Of course, they beat Oregon at Mercedes-Benz 49-3 to the week before. Oregon uh, bounced back with a 70-14 to to win over Eastern Washington. But but then you know you start getting into the transitive property in football, Phil. That, that's never smart, you know. No. I, I don't know. Eastern Washington has been good from time to time. I don't know how good they are this year. Uh, Oregon certainly didn't have problems moving the ball against them after struggling mightily against Georgia. And I, and I watched that Georgia Oregon game. I, I just think Oregon was completely physically manhandled. Yeah, outclassed, yeah, that- intimidated. Bo Nix didn't play well, which. Against Georgia is not a huge surprise, so uh, <laughs> you know I, I, uh, I you know, I, uh, a very impressive win. Dogs ascended to number one in the rankings. I guess they, you know, I guess they're knocking people down now in the AP poll field for losing or for winning close games. I uh, kind of like it. I kind of like it. Keep it, you know, fluid here in the beginning. Keep it fluid. Yeah, 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 no doubt. Uh, South Carolina, oh gosh, I looked at the, the number one teams that have come to Williams Price during the SEC era. I think 09, Florida came in, it's 24 14. Uh, and this is recently, I don't have the list off the top, so I'm probably missing one. And then that Alabama game in 2010, I don't remember what Bama was ranked in 2019. Were they number one? Ooh, I do I not know, know at the time they came two. in. Maybe they were number two. Uh, anyway, so a number one ranked team coming to Columbia. South Carolina's got a chance to uh, spring a Titanic uh, upset uh, over the Bulldogs. They're 24-and-a-half point favorites, last, or underdogs, last time I checked. Uh, so it's not going to be an easy task on Saturday. But, you know, we're going to, uh, you know, we're going to talk about what it, what it could possibly take, as I've always said, in every football game, there's a scenario uh, when you're where you can win and you can lose, and yep. uh, you know no matter what. So um, let's see, sort of, uh, you know what happens moving forward. Got to give it a chance. You know, uh, it's not going to be uh, an easy game, but I think uh, you know what you do if you're the Gamecocks, you, you go out there and just try to play your best ball, best game of the year uh, through three games, and certainly 
I think we're all waiting on that, Phil. Yeah, well, <laughs> it would be Remains very be seen. <laughs> very helpful if they could go out uh, and, and get a win, uh, you know, over the Bulldogs uh, on Saturday. But you know, we'll see what happens. We're going to talk uh, to Jordan Hill uh, later this week uh, from Dogs Twenty Four Seven. He's going to bring you the Georgia breakdown, Phil. I think that's Thursday, right? Yep, Thursday at noon. Yep. Got him Thursday today. Mm-hmm. It's the Mental Edge with Sawyer Nicks coming up at eleven thirty. And then at noon, we're going to have Mike Bratton from that SEC podcast uh, making his second appearance here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. We're at episode 27, folks. 27 episodes in. I meant to say something when it was 25 at the end of last week. Uh, what is it? Kind of like your, your silver anniversary or, or whatever. I, I don't know. I don't know those things. I, I haven't been married that long, Phil. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm coming you know? up on 20 this year, so I yeah, can figure out what that one looks like. There you go, man. Yeah, so I'm, I'm not uh, – but anyway, uh, really good uh, to have a really good guest in this week to talk about this uh, football game coming up, sort of continue to kind of review Arkansas, but uh, – that was more yesterday. Thanks to Keith Allset for coming on. Thought he had a really good segment. It was very pointed in some of his comments. And that's always, if you know Keith, he has a way of saying things. And then you kind of look and go, eh, that's pretty, he's pretty spot on uh, with all of that. So we'll see sort of how that goes. Poll question for today. It's kind of a sad poll question, but it's, it's what I came up with. Uh, will the Gamecocks rush for over 100 yards against the Dogs on Saturday? Keep in mind, 79 against Georgia State and a whopping 40 net rushing yards uh, against the Razorbacks. Uh, would add 73 if you take the sacks out, but, man, that's still kind of uh, – I think the Gamecocks are 129 out of 131 rushing offense through two games. And you're playing Georgia, and they don't really give up a whole lot on the ground, right? No, no, no. You're going to have to take advantage of a secondary that's a, a bit more solid on paper than the one we just faced. So Yeah, <laughs> who, who knows? I – I think the Gamecocks have to go out and have try to attempt to play balanced football. And mm-hmm. then, you know, the teams that have had – there's very few teams the last two years that have had success moving it against Georgia. They're always able to throw it down the field uh, at times. Uh, but I think in order to get those opportunities, Phil, you really need to uh, get some kind of run game going. I, I don't know, you know, whether that's uh, – kind of doing an off-balance kind of thing like they, they did at the beginning of the game against Arkansas where you get Spencer, Rattler keeps it, and then you had Jaheim on the other side. And, you know, I don't know that you can line up and run power against these guys, but maybe you try see if Marshawn can, can do some things. I think it's um, worth more than 20 attempts. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I do too. You know, and, and I was thinking about the scoring drive just before the half where Lloyd ran in from seven. You know, Carolina did run the ball in that drive. Mm-hmm. Uh, against Arkansas a little bit, and then was bombs away the rest of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, that's just uh, one of those things to kind of think about there as we head in. So that's the poll question: over or under 100 rushing yards uh, this weekend against Georgia. Uh, I want to remind everybody that uh, first hour of Inside the Game Crisis Show is brought to you by Cindy Searfoss or Caldwell Banker Kane in the Upstate, my hometown of Spartanburg, right there on Daniel Morgan Avenue. Like I said, several of you have, have taken advantage of Cindy's services. Please continue to patronize her if you have real estate needs in the upstate of South Carolina. She's been a sponsor since we were kind of in podcast format. And it was just me talking. So uh, mm-hmm. she's been with us every step of the way, as a lot of these folks have, including Nana's Porch. And that means the, the chat boxers are getting going That's right, right away. Uh, got some I help Consulting mailbag questions in, too. We're going to try to 
uh, get to here. Um, John says, morning all, morning John. Craig says, hey, hey. Xavier says, listen to my favorite show of the day from Brewster, Washington today. Keep up the good work, JC and Phil from Xavier. Thanks, Xavier. Appreciate Thank you, it. Xavier. Appreciate yep. you. All you hardcore listeners, we certainly appreciate you guys. Uh, Ken rolls in. He says, no one has scored a touchdown against Georgia yet. <laughs> do, do you think we will score one? I think so. I think so. I believe that was the same setup last year, JC, too, is that we were the first team to actually score a touchdown on Georgia. Yeah, yeah. They played them game three. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Carolinas, yeah, they scored late. But uh, certainly the Gamecocks early in that game had their opportunities. They hit on some deep balls uh, to Josh Van and – you know, just kind of bogged down with Nolan. And Nolan uh, goes out and Luke Doty comes in. And I thought Luke played a pretty good game yeah. uh, down there. And in hindsight, Carolina actually played better in that game than, than a lot of teams did against Georgia last year Oh yeah, uh, yeah. on offense. So uh, that maybe shows you that this group maybe won't be intimidated. Uh, heck, it's a home game. Uh, there's no reason to go out and you know, play intimidated. You may get your butt beat, but that's part of life. You know? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta, you, I mean, it, it makes it worse if you go out there and you, you don't show up. So hopefully they do. Uh, McLean says Bama was eighth in 2019. I guess Bama had already. Did they lost. lose a game? Uh, it was later in the year. So yeah. maybe they, they hadn't played LSU yet. I don't remember. Uh, Craig says, y'all realize Jaheim Bell only played 28 snaps Saturday. They got to figure that out. Okay. Jaheim is too good of a player and he was too good last year to do what they did and then not use him. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, look, uh, whatever, whatever's happening there, they get, they need to fix it. You know, and I think that's up to the coaching staff, uh, unless Jaheim's just not doing what he's supposed to do. But I've heard nothing about that. Uh, you got to put him in good position. I mean, and, you know, look, route running, whatever, give him some easier, easier routes. So, you know, something, just figure out a way to put the ball in his hands through the air. Um, I uh, I thought it was kind of a travesty last year. They didn't use him uh, in the passing game. And when they did, good things happened. Uh, and looks like we're going down that road again this year. So hopefully they, they got to figure that out. I mean, here, here's a kid. He played high school football in the state of Georgia. It's going to be a big game for him. Um, Valdosta kid, you know, obviously a dynamic playmaker. A lot of offseason hype. And I, I just don't think you're taking advantage of what he can do if you're just handing him the ball four or five times a game. I I just, you know, I'm just not, I I don't mind him carrying the ball. I mean, I I really, I think that's good usage there, but you know, got to get him back involved in in the passing game. Josh Van as well. Josh's issues, I think are a little different than Jaheim's, but uh, Mm -hmm. you know, we'll see what happens there. Brian says morning fellas. Brian's Mm -hmm. a loyal chat boxer. Joel said, like I said last week, Satterfield in 16 games has never put good back-to-back offensive games together. Leaves a lot to be desired. Oh, we'll see. You know, yep. you, you can't can't change horses right now, so we'll see what happens uh, with that. Will says, if the defense plays like last week, Gamecocks will have to pass it more than running it. Yeah, and that, that's interesting. I, I'll say this. You know, don't people don't need to start thinking just because it's Georgia that they're going to line up like they always – traditionally have and try to run it a hundred times at you. Right. Yeah. They are very balanced. Uh, they get Bennett on the run. He loves to throw it to the backs. Kenny McIntosh, a running back of theirs is their leading receiver. We all know about Bowers, the tight end. They're they're more balanced than people think. So it's not just about selling out with these guys and stopping the run. It's a different type of run game than Arkansas had 
they don't have a 240 pound quarterback falling forward for two yards. <laughs> right. Uh, and they, they don't they don't use as much window dressing as as Kendall Bryles in his offense. But uh, Todd Monken is outstanding at, at exploiting matchups. So if they have a favorable matchup, you know you can expect them. They're going to go after him. you know whether yeah. that's uh, Bowers versus a linebacker in the slot, whether it's throwing it to the running backs, you know whatever. Uh, Todd Monken uh, and I, after watching them last year, two things stood out to me about the dogs on offense. Number one. Uh, the running back rotation around here is always a subject of uh, great debate. Uh, Georgia's deep at running back, and they use all of them, and they use them the right way, and they do it without, like, tipping their hand, you know. Yeah. Uh, sure, they like to throw it to McIntosh. He's a good receiver. I was like with Cook last year, but they don't give you, like, enough – they don't give you, like, the look and the play on a silver platter. You know, they're able yeah. to get that done. And, I, you know, I've just been thoroughly impressed with Todd Monk and, and the job he's done as OC at Georgia. Since he's been there, he just gets better and better and better. And, uh, you know, here's a warning. They are not a one-dimensional football team. No, Georgia yeah. <laughs> will throw it on you. They will throw Cesar Bennett will throw it on you. Cesar Bennett will run. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things this defense has to stop. Jared says perhaps Jaheim Bell should move over to defense. I'm sure Clayton White can figure out how to get him in the rotation. Shoot, he'd be a good linebacker, but I don't uh, – I think Jaheim would be in the transfer portal. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Clint says we need to play defense and time of possession on offense, if at all possible. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's you don't have to run the ball to do that. But hopefully they can scratch something out. Those banditos, it's still hard to know what our offense wants to be. I know last year shouldn't count before, uh, for a grad, graduate assistant at quarterback. Uh, yeah, you know what? I, that was the <laughs> that was the reason du jour that they said they struggled last year. And, uh, you know, through two games with Spencer Rattler, it's still kind of an erratic mess, just with more big plates. Uh, right. Passing. <laughs> yeah. New downfield you downfield know, <laughs> They still can't run the ball. The offensive line still looks like a dumpster fire. You know, uh, sure, Spencer Rattler – with his arm talent and Juice Wells with his ability and Marshawn Lloyd at time, they're going to get you some points when you're in a favorable mm-hmm. position. But uh, there's still a lot, a lot that has to happen. You know, I, 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 I've never like bought into Phil when people say this offense does not have an identity. Uh, that's what people say when they struggle. You know, because right. in other words, that you know, you're watching it and you're like, well, they don't do anything good. You know, you're right. <laughs> um, they're trying to do whatever. Um, but I think this year, uh, that's kind of an issue, you know, because you go into the year, you you, you got a veteran O line that's supposed to at least be average. Uh, you got a good bunch of running backs again. You talk about running the ball. That was kind of the mantra of the offseason run the ball, stop the run. And now through two games, it's like, you know, they, they, they're, they're worse running the ball than they were last year. Right, and not doing very well at stopping the run either. But yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. stopping the run. How can you decide we have an identity when it looks like we're just kind of throwing, you know, just throw plays at it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. let's try this. Weird. One. Let's try that. One. Let's try yeah, this. One. This offense has to get into it. And I told you, I had a good phone conversation with our boy JB Bradford, and he's going to talk about, you know, uh, 
the game uh, and the Gamecocks more in depth tomorrow, tomorrow's segment, the Bradford Files, the if Bradford you will, Files. and uh, the Bradford Files. Uh, but, uh, you know, I was talking to him earlier, and, and he, he talked about the rhythm to an, a rhythm to an offense. Um, and I'll let him go. He had a great analogy on it, but Gamecocks have not had a whole lot of rhythm with their offense through two games. And that's, that's important. Uh, Spencer Rattler is a guy that, you know, he gets cooking rhythmatically, you know, it's, it's fine. And I'm not, I'm not saying he's played outstanding football the first Mm -hmm. two weeks. Uh, But I am saying you've got to help him, you know, you got to help him get into a rhythm and you got to help him with a run game uh, and all that protections and, and all that good stuff. Um, but I'm with you, Dos Banditos, on that. Austin says, with Wells and Brooks playing so well, you would think that would open up a mismatch for Mel- Bell. Yeah, you think? <laughs> I don't know. St- Stogner, too. Stogner had a pretty pretty good game statistically mm-hmm. uh, the other day, but uh, five catches, 68 yards. So he's showing up. But, yeah, you think maybe Gene would. <laughs> okay, well, they're going to cover these guys. And I'll tell you this. Now that uh, – and I talked to this. Jamie's going to mention this, too, tomorrow. Now that Juice Wells is on film against yeah. an SEC team, eight catches, 189 yards, and a touchdown, uh, opposing defensive coordinators are going to look and say, hey, he's a problem. Yeah, yeah we have to stop him. It. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised at all if Georgia didn't bracket him, uh, which I think South Carolina, uh, with the personnel they do have on offense, what you do is when they bracket him, you make him pay and throw it to somebody else. You got two big tight ends. I mean, you know, I know they've got great linebackers and everything, but still, you got a height advantage. You you can scheme it up to where they can get open. If they're going to play that, you know, zone like we saw Arkansas play too, I mean, you know, that doesn't have to be juice, you know, sitting down in the middle of the field. It could be somebody else. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, uh, so McLean, Will says, McLean. All right. I hope your name isn't McLean. Okay. If, it's, if it's McLean, I'm probably going to talk in the. Uh, the yeah, McLean. Uh, yeah, McLean. <laughs> I want like uh, the diehard voice, McLean, John McLean, <laughs> Will McLean. Uh, he was wrong. He said uh, Bama ended up eighth in 2019. They were number two at the time of the game. I thought that because it it was kind of a late September game, and I don't mm-hmm. remember. Uh, They lost to LSU that year, and I think they lost to Auburn as well. I was going to say, I think Auburn too, yeah. Yeah, Mm. Yeah, so that's that's the thing there. Daddy-O, do you see Luke Doty getting significant snaps Saturday? Might have to move the pocket around. I'm going to say no. No, I think we'll see Luke the next week. (laughs) Yeah, uh, Charlotte. Charlotte's not very good, folks. Mm. They're they're struggling bad. I mean, they, they lost to William and Mary at home by 17. Yeah, you get a couple of get right games after these first two, but we all yeah. know this first, these opening three games are going to be tough, but that yeah. builds character. I mean, it really should improve the team moving forward. And honestly, Phil, after Georgia, I don't, I look kind of down the schedule and based on two games and things change, right? Like Texas A&M is probably not going to be as bad as they are now, unless the whole freaking thing unravels in college station, which it could starting Saturday with Miami. Um, you know, they're probably not going to be as bad as they've been. Uh, Florida's up and down so far. I think we all expected that. Yeah. Uh, you know, Tennessee, you know, is their defense, which I think they would have lost Saturday had their uh, the pit quarterback not gotten hurt, and then the other – the backup was playing on one leg. Yeah, it wasn't uh, It wasn't looking good there until, until the injuries. <laughs> at the end, yeah. <laughs> it was a little I mean, nail-biting. 
<laughs> so that, that was a tough one. So what what are they going to be like? You know, I know Kentucky beat Florida at Florida, but uh, you know how good is Florida really? You know, no, I mean, you know, Anthony Richardson's misfiring. I mean, Missouri and Vanderbilt do not look strong. I mean, Missouri, I actually kind of expected them to give K State more of a game. They lost forty to twelve. Yeah, yeah. That case yeah. had a bunch of turnovers and looked like crap. Kansas um, schools are on fire to start the game. How about, how about Jail beating, uh, beating the West Virginia Mountaineers? It must <laughs> suck to be a West Virginia fan right now. You've lost two games by a touchdown, one in yeah. overtime. I mean, but you lost to Kansas. Kansas actually hired a good coach, Lance Leopold, mm-hmm. who they got from Buffalo, was probably the right guy uh, to hire. So they're going to kind of be a tough out. Mm-hmm. I think, and you feel bad for Neil Brown in West Virginia, but that's just kind of how it goes, right? Hope they don't right. burn too many couches after that loss. Nope. <laughs> Xavier goes, my biggest problem with the offense is that we don't properly use the weapons at hand. Bell is great over the middle. Stop using him as a running back. Use him as a tight end or wide receiver. I tend to agree. I, I don't have a problem with Bell taking handoffs. I, I think mm-hmm. that when you use that little sweep they do, uh, like they did in the bowl, they did it for six yards on the on the in the game uh, uh, Saturday on the first drive. Uh, that's fine. That's a good way to keep defenses honest. Uh, he can make yardage that way. Remember, he had a sixty-something yard touchdown run called back against Eastern Illinois. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's fine, but I, I don't think you're doing yourself any favors if he's not involved in the passing game. No, no, and no. I think Keith called it right. And yesterday is that you know it was kind of like with the Kerry and Joiner and the Wildcat last year. Everybody knows where the ball's going. You know, yeah. Jaheim's in the backfield. Oh well, they're going to give it to him. <laughs> yeah. So um, Brian says, imagine Rattler has his Garcia versus Alabama game. It's going to take that. <laughs> <laughs> Better, yeah. There's no Alshon Jeffrey on the outside either. Though yeah, I, do, right. I, I, I don't think I think South Carolina's receivers are actually playing. Pr- Pretty well. Some of those guys have gotten lost a little bit without targets, but uh, you know, like I said, Juice Wells, Jalen Brooks played well. I I felt bad for Amari and Brown because finally, uh, after fifteen games, fifty game fifteen, they go downtown to him multiple times. That's what he is. That against Georgia when he's at Georgia Tech, that's what he did. You send him on nine routes, he gets open, you throw a long touchdown. That's that's him. Yeah. Uh, and they just couldn't connect, and, and that's what I meant. And Jamie's going to make this point, too. I'm kind of stealing some stuff from Bradford right now. Uh, You know, about getting Rattler in a rhythm passing, you know, and and all that, getting him more comfortable back there. Uh, Because there's, you know, nine times out of ten, he makes that throw. And and he missed it three times. So, Uh, Daniel chimes in, ain't scared of the dogs. Yeah, I mean. be scared. Yeah, don't be scared. Nobody needs to be scared, man. I mean, it's it's, it's just a a game. I mean, you know, you, you go out there, you play your best. If Carolina plays its best, Georgia doesn't play its best, it'll be a competitive football game. Yeah. You're at home. I mean, yeah. You're, you're at home. home. Big crowd. Mm-hmm. Big big bunch, you know. Uh, Sean says, who do you think will primarily dissent Washington probably, – probably defend Washington mm-hmm. Bowers? I'm not as – you know, Washington's huge, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're one of their tight ends. <laughs> and uh, you got uh, – but Bowers, somebody better get on him because if you miss a tackle – and he yeah. catches one of those little bubbles. Uh, he's going up the sidelines and the band's playing glory, glory for old Georgia. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, yeah. you got to – this defense has to tackle better. Uh, and they they have to tackle Bowers. If you don't get him on the ground, he's going to make you pay. And, and he may make you pay anyway. He's uh, elite. Washington, 
big guy, athletic guy. He's done some good things in his career. Kid out of Vegas, of all places. Yeah. Uh, dogs go to Las Vegas to get Washington. Um, so he, he's got, he's a handful too. Uh, Bowers to me though would be jump priority number one in the yeah. passing game. You got to stop him. Yeah, or at maybe, least slow him. Yeah, Cam's got to shadow him or something. I don't know. You just because you need a you're going to have to have a decent corner. You're not going to be able to do it with a linebacker. <laughs> yeah, I probably not. Uh, Mr. Echo Priest is one of the film breakdown guys on the message board. Said the offensive line blocked poorly during the 2020 Bobo year. What's your take on that? I think some people will do anything and say anything possible to defend the current offensive scheme and offensive coordinator. That's what I think about that. Uh, and you know what? I appreciate the fact people post on my message board. And I'll I'll leave it at that. Austin responds and says, 2020 COVID year, teams didn't play defense. That's true to a certain extent, but they still got a push. I mean, they still were able to establish the run. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, Bobo and what he does, uh, that, that's kind of his thing. I mean, they, they're going to block you, you know, and it wasn't perfect all year. I mean, if you think about 2020, Texas A&M's D-line overwhelmed that offensive line. Uh, certainly uh, Georgia – overwhelmed that offensive line. But in other games, they were able to get it going. Uh, you know, you can sit there and look at it. The same guys are blocking, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and they, you know, through 15 games, they can't block Georgia State or East Carolina or Troy. Yeah, right. So, <laughs> you know, okay, you know, at least that year against the teams you should be able to block, they blocked. Mm -hmm. and, and that's the, the lunacy of continuing to defend, you know, things uh, at all costs you know I, I i don't defend things at all costs you know I, and and nobody else should either. yeah you can be positive and constructively critical at the same time well, well nah, it, it's more that that you know i don't know i'll get into that later on because uh, I'm, I'm hoping brother i'm hoping for brighter days right oh yeah oh yeah we all are man we all are yeah and <laughs> and you know there's no reason that, that we shouldn't have some you know yeah uh Jared says Hans Gruber. Yes, Hans Gruber. <laughs> so, like die hard, but spelled differently is what Will says. Oh, yeah, it is McLean. McLean. <laughs> All right, you started something now. So, every time you pop in the Nana Sports chat box, man, you're now hereby uh, named McLean. Uh, Daniel says, In the M and Worry, we trust. M and Worry played a great game Saturday. Yep. Uh, he's going to be important this Saturday as well, Extremely. Uh, especially against the dogs. I mean, you know, they're going to break tackles and, and try to run. You need safety to make sure maybe those uh, six, seven yard gains don't turn into 30. Yep. <laughs> um, Daryl says, what's the best offensive plan for Saturday? Keep away. I, I think time of possession would help. Um, but the defense is going to have to get stops. I mean, you, you can't just, I, I don't, I don't know that this is a team you just play keep away with. I, I think you, you got to try to be balanced on offense, keep them off balance, sustain drive, score points, and then, and then get stops on defense. I, you know, I, I don't know that this has to be a keep away game. I think, you know, Tennessee, keep away game, definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah when they're keep, running high tempo, yeah, you want to keep the ball out of their hands, but you can't, you can't have your first for forced punt in the second half yeah. <laughs> on Saturday. Just not going to work. <laughs> I don't think you can wait till the first or the second quarter to get the ball to a running back. Get the ball to a running back either. Yeah, no. Uh -uh. You're going to have right, to so. just 
Settle in. <laughs> yeah. D- Daddy O asked about recruiting and Clint did a good job of answering them. Sorry about this, Mike. I got to quit touching it. Um, but we got to get a break. This is going by pretty fast. Yeah, yeah. The Mental Edge with Sawyer Nicks coming up next right here on the show after these messages. Just as your State Farm agent combines good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates, you can combine your home, auto, life, or small business insurance with Tony Pope State Farm Insurance today. And guess what you'll get? That's right, even more good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates. In fact, Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. Once again, Tony Pope State Farm will help you mix and match perfectly. Call 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're a listener, you know I feel strongly that if you're in the upstate and are in need of real estate services, Cindy Searfoss is your go-to person. Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane uh, can help you with any of your realty needs right there in the upstate of South Carolina, Greenville, Spartanburg, Anderson, Oconee, uh, Pickens, wherever you are. Cindy can help you with that. She's married to a die. Our Gamecock fan has been in the upstate for more than 35 years. Right there in my hometown of Spartanburg, Daniel Morgan Avenue. Contact Cindy, 864-414-5271 or email ccearfoss, C-S-E-A-R-F-O-S-S at cbcane.com, C-B-C-A-I-N-E. That's Cindy Searfoss, a proud sponsor of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Check her out. We've already gotten several emails from listeners uh, that are very impressed with her professionalism and her ability to help you with your real estate needs. 864-414-5271, Cindy Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane. If you're looking to sell or buy multifamily property right here in South Carolina, the Burgesson team of Remax at the Lake can help you get to closing fast and easy. Adam and Derek Burgesson both are very proud Gamecocks and are more than happy to assist you with any of your commercial real estate needs all across the state. You can email Adam at aburgesson at remax.net. That's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at remax.net to get your next deal underway. The Burgesson team, proud sponsors of Inside the Gamecocks. Family Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it. Let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Attention golfers of all ages and skill sets. Former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor will be a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina very, very soon. You want to take advantage of this opportunity. If you're like me and you got to get a whole lot better at golf, or even if you're looking to refine your swing, Meredith is the person you need to go to. She's competing in her final USGA Mid-Amateur Tournament this summer before going full-time into teaching and coaching individuals. 
If you're in South Carolina, Meredith will be conducting in-person golf lessons at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course. She'll play 9 or 18 with you. If you're out of state, though, this is really exciting. She'll be conducting virtual lessons. You can send in your swing for her expert analysis. Also, in November, she'll launch an online course with video instruction for all ages and skill levels. Meredith has 20-plus years of knowledge, former SEC golfer, all of that. So contact her on Twitter, at Taylor at M-E-R-T-A-Y-L-O-R, or go to McKellarEnterprises.org. McKellar is spelled M-C-K-E-L-L-A-R, Enterprises.org. Her email is on the website, so you can connect with her for any other questions. Go get your golf game in order. Take advantage of Meredith Taylor and her services. What's up, this is Jaheim Bell with the Gamecocks, and you're now listening to Inside the Gamecocks Show with J.C. and Phil. Welcome back, Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Did want to get to one thing before we get to Sawyer, Andrew Power, uh, who played college football, by the way, uh, makes a good point, and we'll, we'll talk about it here uh, on the other side. Uh, Andrew goes, offensive scheme doesn't fit the personnel. Take a note from the best OC in the league. Kittle Browse is not running his standard system. He overhauled it to fit the QB and the line. I believe uh, that's why the Browse system works as well as anyone. If you don't have a quarterback, so. If you don't have receivers, so. If you got a big 6'4", 240-pound quarterback, great. If you got Jared Stidham, great. Uh, it works. If you got Matt Corral at, at Ole Miss, it works. If you got Hendon Hooker at Tennessee, it works. Those are if you watch Tennessee, Arkansas, and Ole Miss, it's the same system. It's just adaptable. Yeah. And in theory, that's what this system is supposed to be because they have a playbook that's uh, larger than the King James Bible. <laughs> you know, I mean. So in theory, that should work here too. And that, that's kind of what Shane Beamer wants. And every time I've interviewed him over the years, talked to him about uh, offensive philosophy, because everybody wants to know that it's been, you got to be balanced. You got to run something that fits your personnel. So uh, good point there, Andrew. And I'll, as always, buddy, appreciate you uh, tuning in. Hope you're doing well. I, I know you are. Cause I follow you on Instagram, man. Lucky dog. <laughs> um <laughs> Anyway, it's time for the Mental Edge with Sawyer next. Uh, welcome in, Sawyer. Hope you're doing well today. Morning. I am. Yeah. Um, okay, so the Gamecocks lost the game. Obviously, I don't have hair anymore. Um, <laughs> that should be obvious. Uh, so, for the mental aspect, you know, how do you kind of power through and, and, and flush it and, you know, have the resilience uh, game to game uh, to, to kind of rebound from a, a tough loss on the road. First one of the year always stings uh, and get ready for number one, Georgia this weekend. Well, I think there's a couple of things. I think the first thing is you look to those players that have that edge. And I was thinking about those players in the game, Mo Caba, um, Emin Moray. Uh, certainly they play with the edge, but I think they're the type players that you look to. You're like, all right, I got to pull my weight. And accountability is one of those key focuses on the team with, within uh, the culture. And I know that's really important to Coach Beamer. And that's one of the things I would look for this week. Who are going to be the leaders on the team? Coach Beamer and the staff are doing a great job setting up the culture. But ultimately, it comes from within the team. 
and what they're doing. And so the, the players themselves, they're the ones that are going to have to drive things moving forward, improvement, uh, internalizing some strong mindsets. And I think that's one of the things that I'm looking for. And you got caught a snippet of that. Uh, and I don't know who reported this, but Lloyd coming to the sideline and essentially telling um, Sarfield or uh, Rattler, I can't remember who it was, we're going to run the ball. We got to run the ball. Um, and that's that's something you want. You want Lloyd to be that person. Hand me the ball. Run this play. Um, you want to hear more of those vocal players. And not every player is vocal, but every player this week needs to find a way to step up. And that's one of the things that I would look for this week. The other thing is, uh, prior to the season starting, JC, you mentioned that Georgia possibly matched up better with South Carolina than Arkansas. So I think that's one of the things also to to think about is the players are not flushing the season down the down the toilet, you know, after one game that didn't go so well. Certainly there were some question marks long term and we'll have to see those things played out in terms of is the offense going to be efficient enough? Can they implement it? And those are questions I have. I think I can see what Sat's doing after a play takes place or as it's developing, okay, yep, I see what he was thinking here. This makes sense. But you have to be able to implement it. And so over the season, we'll be able to see whether there's questions get answered. And for me, the measuring stick is going to be versus Missouri, Kentucky, Florida. Those are the teams that I think will ultimately determine our win-loss record and, and the success of the team this year not necessarily this week or, or last week. But I think the team as a whole, they're not, again, they're not flushing things down the drain. All right, what do we have to do this week to make things a little bit better? What's our focus this week? And they're very much on a detailed, oriented, step-by-step process. Going back to the recipe, all right, well, we got to improve this a little bit. They're not preparing for a cookout with hamburgers and hot dogs, and all of a sudden, five minutes before the cookout, oh, we're not doing hamburgers and hot dogs. We're going uh, Mexican and, and taco bar. Okay, well, that's a big change. You can do that prior to a bowl game like they did. But week to week, we're not going to see significant changes. And so now it's just working on the details week to week, making that 1% improvement. Obviously, yeah, that's kind of a mantra of this year. All right, Gamecock Pastor comes in from the uh, – I have consulting mailbag on Twitter. Going to go ahead and uh, get this out of the way. We always appreciate Gamecock Pastor. Yep, hopefully, can get to his breakdown today. It, it gets tough when we have the two guest days, but he says Tuesday is Middle Edge Day, right? How do you best keep the team mentally sharp and confident with last week's loss and then a potential loss this weekend? So I guess he's asking, kind of, you know, when losing kind of kicks in, or what kind of uh, mental approach does it take? to keep that fortitude and to keep driving ahead and not let that negative energy infect your team. Well, they're, they're trying to take the emotion out as fans. We're, our, we're so emotionally tied to the game. Our emotions are, you know, driven. And I know people talking about a slow start, you know, again, that being a theme, but after the first quarter, you know, I thought the offense moved the ball some, uh, the defense didn't, you know, just letting them run down the field. It, it was, 
you know, 21-3 was not good, but 7-3 after the first quarter is like, okay, we, we have ourselves a ball game. And so as the game went on, certainly fans' emotions went up and down. And, and for the players, they have emotions too, but they're a little more centered. So going into this week, you would like to see them, again, use their emotions to drive some focus, some detail, some effort. But overall, their emotions are, are a lot less up and down compared to fans. And, and so that's one of the big differences between us as, as fans or consumers and players. They're their highs are not going to be as high. Their lows are not going to be as low. And it's a little more adjusting and, and moment by moment. And I think that's one of the big keys for this week is, is knowing, you know, this week it, and it is a big opponent, but who have they played? They played Sanford, which is, you know, they're not very good. And then they played Oregon, which we don't know how they, how they will be this year. Um, so I think part of the part of the message is, OK, we learned we have to be a little tougher on the defensive line. We have to figure out we still have to get back to running the ball. So and going back to the game plan. So, again, it's much more detailed oriented and taking some of the emotion out uh, that we see as fans. But that doesn't go on within the, the team as much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The uh, is there anything you know specifically that coaches are even doing to kind of shut out the noise too? Sawyer so is like you know because I know they're the I think you know obviously players hear it and for the right. love of everything you know people are adding you know players on Twitter is like don't do that on social y'all leave them alone. Right. <laughs> Let, yeah. Everybody has a good day and bad day, but I mean, is it basically the same process with the coaches? Just like okay, let's you know, hey, look at right. this, move on. Well, at this point. Go. I mean, we got to also remember this is their job. They have to believe they're confident in their job. Mm-hmm. Um, if we're doing our our job, whatever our job is, you know, week to week, moment to moment, it's not going to be. Oh my gosh, I have no business being in this field. You know, I'm sure JC in the middle of his uh, segments this week doesn't all of a sudden. Uh oh, uh, there were some mean comments made towards uh, my analysis and my predictions. Uh, I think I'm gonna shut it down. You know, no, the coaches are the same way, and for for not a good reason. But we saw this with the previous administration. But this is every coaching base now they have some flexibility and are open and want to change slightly but overall they believe they're confident in their job and so they're looking at all right here's the next step i need to take to get these players ready and they believe in that and until the end of the season comes and the head coach has to review everything okay well you thought you were good you are good or you thought you were good you're no good you're gone until that comes at the end of the season and until that point, there's very much a belief within the staff. They believe in what they're doing and the preparation that they've done. And now it's a continue to go back week after week and, and enhance that and improve that. So that's how they get past that is they believe that, you know, hey, I got where I'm doing. That person's behind a computer somewhere on a couch in orange fog, perhaps, so, you know. Let them do their thing. I'm going to do my thing. And then at the end of the year, in the season, or even at the bye, you know, we'll reevaluate and we, we can change some more things. But week to week, this is our bread and butter. This is what we need to do. Here's how we need to move forward. And there's great confidence in that from the coaching staff. And when the coaching staff has that, then the players can buy into that as well. 
if the coaches go in, well, gosh darn, you know, I thought we were going to do this. I'm just not real sure what we're going to do this week versus Georgia because, well, you know, that's that's not what you want in your coaching staff. So if anything, they're going to go in there, you know, this is what we're going to do, this is how we're going to do it, and this is our practice schedule for this week. Is again, very task-oriented, very detail-oriented, kind of reducing some of that emotion. Talking with Sawyer next, the middle edge. We have it every single Tuesday here. Uh, you know, Georgia, is there such a thing as uh, – it's hard to say that they're overconfident or that they could be overconfident because, I mean, 16 out of 17 wins. The one loss was to Bama. Uh, dominant in, in all phases. Uh, you know, I thought a lot of people thought the Oregon game was going to be closer. It was not. It was a complete butt-whipping. Uh, and then they got up against Sanford last week and shut it down after half. Uh, hard to kind of tell a ton about them uh, because we don't know uh, what Oregon is ultimately going to be this year. Uh, I, you know, I think we get an idea. Arkansas is pretty good, you know, with the two right. wins right out the gate. I think Georgia State, with what they did against North Carolina in a big, big game, back-to-back weeks, uh, I think they're going to be pretty good. Now, the Sun Belt. Obviously had a great weekend this past weekend. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not, not going to be easy to win the Sun Belt this year. But, um, you know, uh, so from Georgia's perspective, you know, they've been kind of floating on cloud nine for a while. Uh, really, really good. Finally broke through with the first national championship in 42 years for them. Finally got the Alabama thing solved uh, in impressive fashion in Indianapolis. Uh, lost a lot of players, but returned a lot of talent. You know, that confidence as a program, you know, do you see it with Alabama year in and year out? Yeah. You know, what, what's the mindset for, for those guys uh, coming into this game to kind of avoid, you know, maybe some complacency, maybe getting caught with their pants down a little bit? Uh, you know, how does Georgia approach this? Well, I would say with Coach Smart, he's going to pull up the film. You know, he's going to show the, the highlights of that loss. He was, you know, coaching – Beamer was not. So I think that's one thing is, hey, it wasn't that far ago um, that this happened. And, and he'll remind them of that. He'll remind them of, you know, this is about we need to do this. This is our first SEC opponent. You know, this is our opportunity to get to the top of the standings, to remain there and to take steps throughout the rest of the season. This is our chance to make sure we get right out of the gate show them who we are, that Oregon wasn't a fluke, you know, because some people may be saying that, like, we're, well, is Oregon really that good? Well, that's going to be good message board material for motivation, you know. Um, do you want to be where you were last time? Okay, well, you knew what it took last year to get to this point, how hard you worked, all the things that you did. And so I think that's going to be the message from Coach Smart is, you know, if you want to get back to where you do, where you were, Here's the outline. Here's the steps. Remember, and it starts. This is the first step. Here's the first step into into accomplishing that goal. Talking with Sawyer Nicks, the mental edge, each and every Tuesday, right here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Um, all right. So sometimes you got a big game, right? And 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 I've seen this in crowds all over the country. South Carolina is not unique, but. Uh, what about the fans that show up? Uh, you know, sometimes the life goes out of a stadium when the other team does something good or your team does something bad and it gets deflated. And I think 
many times the visiting team can gain momentum uh, yeah. by, by the silence. And I think Georgia will probably be about 10 to 12,000, maybe more over. So they'll have a crowd there too. But uh, as a fan, how can you kind of stay I mean, uh, mentally in the game if you're going? I know it's kind of weird because, you know, there will be tailgating that takes place before. Yeah. Uh, and I think maybe sometimes the, the tendency is, especially if it's uh, – it's not supposed to be that hot. It's supposed to be like 77. But, but the tendency is, you know, hey, I'd like to go back to the car and eat some Chick-fil-A and, you know, uh, <laughs> all that good stuff. So uh, eat some Chick-fil-A, have a couple of cold beers, and maybe catch it on the tube. So um, as a fan, you know, how can you kind of, at least till it looks hopeless, keep yourself kind of in the game mentally? Yeah, well, I would say so far we've met expectations according to most – according to Vegas and most media pundits. They predicted us to beat Georgia State, we did. Predicted us to lose to Arkansas, we did. Now, we were closer at some points in that game than other. That was a away game, so now let's see what we can do at home. So most people believe in the home field advantage, and there's been some research that's been done to prove that point. So I think as fans, we're like, all right, home field advantage is a better opportunity for us. We perhaps match up better. Stetson Bennett's not going to be running around, um, running off the edge and running all over, scattering. So I think defensive line, you're like, all right, I want to see them crunch him like a sandwich. I mean, I want them to, I want to see some sacks. And I want to see the offensive line do as well as they did last week, maybe a little bit better. Because I think from last week to Georgia State, they, they improved. It wasn't great improvement, but I thought it was enough improvement that the other aspects of the game didn't necessarily hold up their end. So everybody needs to take a little bit of improvement. Certainly we can't have our our B game and beat Georgia. We're going to have to have our A game. We can't have turnovers, can't have penalties. Uh, we're going to need to get a turnover or two for sure. Uh, but I think those things are certainly possible. So I think it's this is only one of uh, however many home games are, seven home games, six home games. It's about enjoying the moment, uh, enjoy the football, um, enjoy the opportunity that we do beat them. What happens, you know, going back to the Georgia win years ago, the fans that went that day, they didn't expect South Carolina to necessarily win that game. Georgia fans didn't expect South Carolina to win that game based on the point spread and all those things. But you go for the chance. It's the opportunity. And certainly college football is, aside from the score, it's a fun opportunity to eat some tailgate food, hang out with friends, socialize. Um, and we only get so many of those opportunities a year. So I would say relish those. Look for it as opportunities to support your team and give them momentum because they need it. We, we need to give them every opportunity we can to help them succeed. And that's not only just the team, but also recruiting with the good recruits that are coming in this week. You know, certainly we don't want to be half dead in the stands. You know, that's not going to help things. So. Yeah. Well, Sawyer, appreciate you joining us here. The mental edge. You got a score prediction for us? So the I don't have the score. I predict that we will cover the points. So I'll take South Carolina plus the 25. Uh, there's no way I could be wrong. There's no way we lose by 25. Um, yeah, last year the spread was 30, and then they hit uh, Van on that touchdown late, and 
Carolina covered. Cover. So, yep. They got covered <laughs> yeah. with 40 to 13. It's like, hey, that, that's that's uh you do math that late as a night game. So you uh, late at night, you're doing math, you're like, uh oh, hey, hey. <laughs> Ah, all right. performed above expectations. So, we're, uh, so, I, no. so I'm kind of holding out for the, you know, like I said, my I think my the season is going to pin on those games a few weeks later on down the road. It's going to be the balance for the season. I think it's going to be really what's what's going to be the the pressure cooker there. But for now, I think it's how do we just continue developing and improving? And that that was a message. This team could improve but the record not necessarily reflect that. So I think there is some truth to that, and that may be the case this week. It was the case last week. I think we improved from Georgia State to Arkansas. We didn't win the game. We improved, um, at least on offensive side. Now, defensive side, some missed assignments, can't give up 300 yards on the ground. Um, That's concerning. But we can improve and take steps each week to get better without the record somewhat showing that. So that's – that's my take this week until the team collectively has a great outing, um, which we'll see. And maybe they need some time to gel and develop and things like that and figure out what, what is our, instead of the smorgasbord of plays and the King James Bible, huge, you know, playbook, what's, you know, what, what is really going to be our bread and butter? What's, what's going to be our focus and what do we need to hang our hat on? And I think, Coaches are getting closer to that, but hopefully they'll get closer um, sooner and that they'll continue developing that 1% getting a little bit better and they'll be ready to fight this week. But that's kind of my prediction that we uh, cover, but don't win the game. Gotcha. All right, Sawyer. Appreciate you joining us. We'll see you next Tuesday, bud. Hang in there. Will do. Thank you so much. Thank you. The Mental Edge with Sawyer Nicks each and every Tuesday. We've certainly enjoyed that segment. A lot of people uh, get a lot out of it, and uh, we certainly appreciate him taking the time uh, to get in with us. Uh, Nana Sports chat box. Don't forget Michael Bratton coming up on the other side of the break here in a little bit. Nana Sports chat box continues. Gamecock and on. Why are they running Juju inside the tackles on the goal line? Bad personnel use, in my opinion. Uh I don't think it's always bad because I, I think if you just run Juju to the outside, you're, you you don't put that on tape. It's it's easily dissectable. Uh, and Juju sometimes, if he's got a little bit of a hole, he'll squirt through there. I mean, you remember the Florida game, he actually lined up in the Wildcat and did something, mm-hmm. you know, and, and all that. So, uh, and scored a touchdown in short yardage. So, uh, do I think they should? That should be part of their patent. No, I mean I think I'd rather have Lloyd or Amos or Christian Bill Smith. I mean he didn't, we didn't see much from him this past weekend, but I, I expect him to play more and more as he gets healthy. Heck, a fullback. I don't care. Jaheim Bell, uh, as far as giving him the ball, Phil, in short yardage uh, near the goal line, it's worked. You know the fullback dive with him is great when you're getting short yardage. You know. What the two point conversion, I think, is one he ran in, or yeah, was it the yeah, touchdown? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't mind that. It's like when you're on your side of the field, <laughs> he's, he's, he's too explosive, I yeah. think, to not get him the ball in space. That's yeah. Just, uh, Xavier says that getting Rattler in a rhythm is very important. Watch his 2020 footage, play short game great until he has to throw it deep, almost a tempo offense. That's true, but that's a different system. Uh, but you're right, you know, you got to get him in a rhythm, get him going. 
Yeah. Uh, Daddy S. His spur didn't mind scrapping the game plan mid game if that's what it took to win. Yeah. And he, he would just make adjustments. I mean, that's what good play callers do. Mm-hmm. That's what good offensive coordinators do. They are constantly adjusting. They're constantly, because, you know, what, what, what they give you or what they show you is maybe not what showed up on film, especially this early in the year. Um, you know, for example, like, and look, I'm not a coach. I'm not an X's and O's guy. I don't pretend to know more about how to call a football game than, than anybody, no matter how good or bad the offensive coordinator's been. I, I don't have that kind of knowledge. But, you know, like Phil pointed out, a good, made a good point the other day about the box. Well, you have a favorable box, you know, in today's uh, era of RPO heavy football, and Carolina's not a big RPO team. But maybe maybe throw a little bit in, you know, because if they're going to give you a light box, and this is going to be a this is going to be interesting to see here in a couple of weeks on October first, uh, when uh, two weeks from Saturday when Arkansas plays Alabama, Alabama mm-hmm. is a heavy RPO team, and it's going to be interesting to see kind of um, <clears throat> how they they operate and how how uh, Arkansas adjusts to stop that mm-hmm. because cause what they're going to do, Bryce Young going to the line. Uh, and if uh, if they have an advantage in the box, he's giving it to Gibbs. If not, he's pulling it and throwing it. And that's kind of how a lot of modern offenses work. But, you know, Carolina didn't try to run it a whole lot against the favorable box. Joel says, everyone keeps talking about how many of the teams Carolina plays after Georgia have flaws. What about Carolina's flaws? Same on offense. Yeah, nobody's saying that Carolina's not a flawed team. It's just when you play a team that doesn't have a lot of weaknesses – uh, obviously, your chances of winning when you are a flawed team are, are lower. Mm-hmm. Folks said, Eric says, Hey, cold beers, yes. Yeah. <laughs> if you get a package and pass it, please no wild cock. I don't see that happening this week. Maybe, maybe that's. I hope that's not, hope that's not the big plan. <laughs> you know, yeah, no. And I'm, 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 I'm going to turn the TV not. off if they put DeCarry and Joyner in there as the quarterback and the first thing he does is run it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I just, I don't know. You know, but maybe, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. No. Uh, I actually, for the bowl game, thought Joyner was probably a good idea because North Carolina – uh, all year last year, when they played a t- any kind of team that had a running quarterback, they got lit up, including well, they lost about 20 to Georgia Tech. Just mm-hmm. they couldn't stop it. So I thought that was smart. Austin says, can't even keep students in their seats past halftime unless we come out hot. It'll be spotty in the stadium in the third quarter. Hope the Harbors don't notice. Yeah, Carolina's got to play well to keep the fans there. Uh, but I, I, I think as long as it's a game, the crowd's going to be into it. Yeah. Uh, Tim says, we gave up 300 yards to Porkinsaw. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Before we, you know, <laughs> Arkansas is good. Arkansas could be one of the best teams in the SEC. Yeah. I, I want to continue to give them credit, guys. I mean, that that, that wasn't a football team that, that appeared to have a lot of weakness. I mean, you yeah. look at their offensive line. I could care less what their star ratings were. Um, it's where me and Keith kind of differ a little bit. I, I care less what their star ratings were. That offensive line's one of the best Carolina will play. Um, I, I thought, you know, KJ Jefferson is a matchup nightmare. He's in his third year in the system. Uh, he's thriving in it. They give you a lot of, a lot of things to think about on offense. And then they punch you in the face. Yeah. It's like, it's like you're, you're, you're like fighting somebody with eight arms. Right. <laughs> uh, and then all of a sudden it comes into focus and wham, right hook. <laughs> yeah. Probably not prepared for that. Right. No, uh, you have to be. And, and look, 
I'm not saying Arkansas is going to go up and down the field on everybody they play this year because they're probably not. You know, so a team, teams will play them better than Carolina did. Heck, Cincinnati did to a certain extent. Um, but, you know, I, I don't want to take anything away from it. And, you know, people are just, well, you know, you gave up 295 rushing yards to Arkansas. The season's over. I mean, that's that, that team's going to rush for a lot of yards on a lot of people. Uh, Dos Bandidos, we have to play defense Saturday. Steve Springer could be the play caller, and we would struggle to keep up. I, I don't know, man. It all it all plays together. You know, when your defense gets gassed at the end uh, because your offense is going three and out and vice versa. I, I don't I, – I still think they need a good game plan offensively. Blah, blah, blah. All right. So, uh, you know. Uh, Chris says, also, I wish Beaver would just chew out a ref just once. He is too passive with the refs. I don't care about that. I, you know, it's hard for me to – I mean, that, that's not the reason they didn't win the game. Right. <laughs> and, and I think I think sometimes people get – you know, take shots at Beaver's personality. I think that, you know, he is what he is. And, and you're not going to get anything different. So, if you if – you, and, Chris, this isn't directed at you. I appreciate all your comments, but – uh, if folks want to start nitpicking on who Shane Beamer is, then, you know, you may as well just want another coach because he's not going to change. You know, I mean, that's that's the bottom line, nor should he, nor should he. All right. want to remind you real quick before we get to the top of the second hour about Manscaped, 20% off free shipping, promo code BIGSPUR at manscaped.com. Please support Inside the Gamecocks, the show, by purchasing some of their products. Phil will have more about that later, but we got to get to a break. Michael Bratton from that SEC podcast. Coming up on the other side here on Inside the Game Custom Show on Tuesday. If you're a listener, you know I feel strongly that if you're in the upstate and are in need of real estate services, Cindy Searfoss is your go-to person. Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane uh, can help you with any of your realty needs right there in the upstate of South Carolina, Greenville, Spartanburg, Anderson, Oconee, uh, Pickens, wherever you are. Cindy can help you with that. She's married to a die-hard Gamecock fan, has been in the upstate for more than 35 years. Right there in my hometown of Spartanburg, Daniel Morgan Avenue. Contact Cindy, 864-414-5271, or email ccearfoss, C-S-E-A-R-F-O-S-S, at cbcane.com, C-B-C-A-I-N-E. That's Cindy Searfoss, a proud sponsor of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast, Check her out. We've already gotten several emails from listeners uh, that are very impressed with her professionalism and her ability to help you with your real estate needs. 864-414-5271, Sydney Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane. If you're looking to sell or buy multifamily property right here in South Carolina, the Burgesson team of Remax at the Lake can help you get to closing fast and easy. Adam and Derek Burgesson both are very proud Gamecocks and are more than happy to assist you with any of your commercial real estate needs all across the state. You can email Adam at aburgesson at remax.net. That's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at remax.net to get your next deal underway. The Burgesson team, proud sponsors of Inside the Gamecocks. Hey man, are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests. Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues and I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly. 
Oh, I feel that, man. My head hurts, but I have a good lead on a good idea. I'm calling your boy Matthew Odom today from Heritage Digital. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in making sure your IT network runs like a dream. If you have one or 500 employees, it doesn't matter. They do it all for one monthly fee and have clients from South Carolina all the way to California. Yeah, I heard that monthly fee's low too, so I don't know why I didn't even think of that. Uh, Do you have 843-699-1001 as Matt's contact number? Yeah, man, I sure do that, or you can go to heritagedigital.com. Man, I hear they do a no-cost assessment. Boy, this will help me. Yeah, I bet. (laughs) I'm getting on that and encouraging everyone else to do the same. Heritage Digital, 843-699-1001 or heritagedigital.com, a proud sponsor of Inside the Gamecocks the show family vacations a new car a new boat all cost money but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now i help consulting can help you finally get the kids to disney world upgrade the minivan or drop that new boat in the water next summer let daniel and i help consulting consult with you no fees just savings you pay them a percentage of those savings save on essential services credit card fees you name it let them find it these folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Hey, folks. JC here. I've told you about Nana's Porch over and over again. They sponsor our chat box on the show. Uh, don't take my word for it, though. I wanted you to hear from Gamecock pitcher Noah Hall about our sponsor, Nana's Porch. Nana'sPorch.com. Go there. Food, truck, catering, whatever you need. Uh, take it away, Noah. What's up, Gamecock fans? This is Pitcher Noah Hall. If you want some delicious food for your event, I suggest visiting nanasports.com today to find out what they all have to offer. It's really good southern cuisine based out of Charlotte, my hometown. I hope you guys go check it out. Go Cox and go Nanas. Yep, time to get back to the show. Shoot. All right, my man. All right, my man. All right. Man, second time on the show. Uh, the man, the myth, the legend, SEC Mike, Michael Bratton from That SEC Podcast. Uh, all right, man. Uh, two, two of the teams you, you sort of like uh, over the summer. Um, Arkansas, South Carolina. Uh, give us your breakdown of the game, what you thought went uh, went right or wrong. I, I know I was, like, extremely impressed. As frustrating as it was to watch some of the things Carolina did, I thought Arkansas was very impressive. Yeah, that was the um, that was the Arkansas I thought we were getting early in the in the preseason there. Where I don't know if you've seen it, I picked Arkansas to be second in the SEC West. A lot of people, most people, had A and M, and now uh, you know the, the big question for Arkansas was obviously the receiving core, how that how that was going to play out with Traylon Burks gone. But man, all out of camp was just rave reviews out of these receivers they have there in Fayetteville and. They didn't even really need them against South Carolina. And and that was kind of the, the worry that I had for the Gamecocks going in. How are they going to slow down what was already the SEC's best rushing attack last season? I think they're even better this year with four or five back on the offensive line, their top three running backs, and, of course, K.J. Jefferson. And, that, and that's just the way it played out. Anytime you go on the road and, and you allow three straight touchdown drives to the home team, uh, you're, you're going to lose that ball game. Um, now, for South Carolina, you know, the, the main takeaway for them, it's not what you want to hear, but there was no quitting that team. I've seen a lot of teams get down like that, would have thrown in the towel, would have, you know, realized they had 
little to no shot in that ball game, but they actually made it competitive there in the second half. Uh, again, you know, there, there are issues with Arkansas secondary and being down Catalan and Slusher, South Carolina. They were in a position to take advantage of those, but uh, it was either Spencer or his receivers, maybe a, probably a combination of both, just unable to connect on some deep shots. Had they been able to hit on some of those, maybe it is a ball game. Um, yeah, I get that uh, running the ball was a real issue, but you know I, I agree with Shane Beamer. I mean, they, they saw a potential advantage they had going up against Arkansas secondary, but like I said, they just couldn't capitalize on it. So, um, you know, you're potentially staring down the hole of one and two here, unless you could pull the massive upset this weekend. But just because you lost to Arkansas and in somewhat convincing fashion, I wouldn't write off South Carolina and I wouldn't even write off their chances this weekend. I'm telling you, Arkansas is a top five team, I really do think. And you just went to their building and you lost. You had you had more turnovers. That's going to happen every single time. You got to win the turnover by battle against Georgia. You got to connect on some of those deep shots. And just because Georgia, which they deserve to be number one, I think they are the best team in the country right now. But just because they steamrolled Oregon doesn't mean they're going to steamroll the Gamecocks in uh, Columbia. Michael Brad in that SEC podcast. What's wrong with AM? <laughs> Just, uh, now I had I had a theory going in, and I agreed with you about maybe not picking them as high. Just because I think uh, today a, a lot of media, of course, not you or anybody we have on the show, a lot of national media is a little lazy. Uh, I think they they kind of look at recruiting rankings and go, "Oh, well, they'll be fine just because of this great class." Uh, and I remind everybody, last time a program in the SEC other than Bama or Georgia had a quote-unquote historically great class. It was Florida in 2010. I think they went 7-5, and 8-5, and five, and Urban Meyer left. <laughs> uh, you know, that's not – because it's, it's not always universal that it works out. I, I was a little bit – I thought maybe they'd struggle more with defense, Mike, but their offense is atrocious. Uh, what, what, what's wrong with the Aggies? Yeah, the, the problem is the – I don't know what the official number is, 90 or $100 million man, Jimbo Fisher, and just his uh, failure to adapt. And, you know, you listen to people down there in College Station, he's his own boss. That's a huge problem. Uh, <laughs> his contract is fully guaranteed. I mean, I don't – at this point, I don't know what's what's motivating him to change. He's, these coaches – you know, fans jump on these players for for their, their attitude and, and cockiness and all that. These coaches are 100 times cockier and bolder than these players. So – a lot of these guys, they get to the position where they're at because of uh, what they know and, and and everything like that. And they just – they refuse to adapt. And Jimbo has refused to adapt his offensive scheme. Uh, and it's it was awful at Florida State after the Jameis Winston era. And it, it's largely been uh, dreadful at A&M. And this is the same thing I was saying all offseason. I mean, he has not – he never developed Kellen Mon. I don't know what these fans are thinking. They think, you know – he. He was a solid player, but he never got better from his sophomore year to his senior year. Now, the stats are a little bit better, but they had an elite offensive line that year. And that was the one year A&M was good. And it was the COVID year. And, you know, I don't want to diminish every accomplishment a team made during the COVID year, but that was the year we had. The best example I got is LSU. Jamar Chase was leading the, the charge for hashtag we want to play. 
they they brought football back. Thank God for people like us and everybody really, but uh, people that are getting paid to do this. They brought football back, and then Jamar Chase said, "Well, you know what? I don't want to play." Uh, that was terrible. They had another receiver, Terrence Marshall. He had a players only meeting when things started going downhill at at LSU, uh, and then they were coming up on Alabama week. He said, "You know what?" I'm out too. I mean that, and that was just the story. That I'm not picking front of LSU. That was happening at Mississippi State. It was that was happening all across South Carolina. Knows oh, they they fired Muschamp, and and man, there was a lot of injuries and opt outs and all that. So <laughs> the, the COVID year is not the year you want to judge college football. Hell, there was not, barely even fans in the stands that year, uh, except for down there in College Station, which which Dan Mullen famously uh, pointed to. But yeah, A and M has just quarterback is a major major issue i don't understand anytime i try to bring up max johnson as as a potential starter down there people down there would jump on me haynes king haynes king haynes king he's the future he's he's johnny manziel 2.0 and now they got another freshman that's johnny manziel 3.0 i mean every quarterback they recruit down there is johnny manziel there's only one johnny manziel brother and and he's not on that roster right now so they just have a a world of issues And, and like you said the defense is dynamic. Jimbo's got no well, – he recruits. I, let's give him credit for recruiting. But he's got no hand in that defense. Mike Elko, the Duke coach, he was outstanding. And now they've got all kinds of monsters on that side of the ball. They still look pretty formidable on the defensive side of the ball. But it's the guy running the offense, developing these quarterbacks, recruiting these quarterbacks. They all wanted to blame Zach Calzada last year. He was the problem. Now, don't blame Jimbo. It's all Zach Calzada. Well, they look even worse without Zach Calzada now. Miami, Arkansas, and Dallas at Mississippi State, which is, uh, I believe, since A&M's been in the league, five and four, four and five, something like that against them, including last year's upset. And then at Alabama before the bye, then they come to Carolina, then they got Ole Miss at home and Florida at home. This could turn ugly, like so ugly, uh, if they continue uh, to, to play the way they played. I mean, it's – it's uh, they could easily lose the next four games. And, and I think, although they've owned the Gamecocks, and after an open date, you think they'd make some changes coming over to Columbia. I think South Carolina's got a shot if things remain as they are. Yeah, I mean, staring down the barrel, one and five, one and six, goodness. Uh, I, I don't know. Does A&M have enough money to pay out the, the $90, $100 million that they, they would owe them? I don't even know if they got that much money. They probably do, but – yeah, I, I mean, I don't. Oil prices, oil prices are dropping. Now. Yeah, yeah, they'll have to divert some of that nil money to pay off Jimbo. <laughs> I don't think it's going to get that bad because they do. They they still have a top five roster in college football, and that's that's more important than anything. Jimbo just getting in the way. I, I think they'll win a couple of those games, but yeah, like you said, it's daunting. Mississippi State is the only team you mentioned there that's that's not ranked uh, aside from South Carolina and. I think Mississippi State, not only top 25, they should be in top 20. They are playing lights out right now. I don't, I don't understand the disrespect for Mississippi State. That's, an eye, that's a team to keep your eye on. Mississippi State with a big 39-17 win over Arizona. I think a lot of SEC games Saturday were uh, early, and so a lot of folks maybe didn't stay up once they watched Florida-Kentucky. But 39-17, and the folks out west, Arizona actually had a pretty big win first week against San Diego State. So – uh, that's not a terrible team. They went out there and crushed. Uh, and and I think a lot of Mississippi State people have been kind of quietly optimistic this offseason and, you know, all that. So, all right, so you were you you were higher than most on Missouri. They 
got spanked uh, against Kansas State. What do they have to do to kind of get better? Um, I know turnovers were an issue. I know Kansas State's just really good. Uh, I'll be honest, I didn't see that kind of score coming, 40-12. to 12. Um, your, your take on the Tigers right now. Yeah, I mean, offense is uh, just a huge, huge issue there. That I, I can't remember the stat, but I think it's the first time in, in 30, 40 years where Missouri had multiple quarterbacks throw multiple interceptions in a mm. ball game. They brought in the backup, Jack Abram, who he's been all over the uh, college football, yeah. Southern Miss, Mississippi State. <laughs> His first pass was intercepted. It's like, oh, it's going to be one of those days for the Missouri Tigers. Yeah. Hey, there's a reason that old Drake, every quarterback that was hitting the portal <laughs> – was getting connected to Missouri. They 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 couldn't get JT Daniels. They couldn't get Gary Bohannon. They couldn't get Jaden Daniels. Uh, I mean, they were literally going after everybody with some experience down there because they knew they didn't have uh, the answer. Now they do have a freshman down there by the name of Sam Horn. He played for a, a big time program there in the state of Georgia. I know Tennessee was was after him. Oklahoma. I mean, this is a a very very touted quarterback. I just he must not be ready to play. So. Uh, you know, major, major issues right now with Missouri. They they actually had the the nation's number one rushing defense after week one. They only allowed six yards to Louisiana Tech. So there was hope. Hey, maybe they got this defense turned around. And then they just got tore to pieces by Kansas State. So, of, of course, that was just, uh, you know, that, that was not an accurate representation of, of what they got on the defensive side of the ball. But Every year, Drink's been there. They have a new defensive coordinator. That's a red flag, too. And I, you know, Blake Baker, I, he's a hell of a, a linebacker's coach. I'm, I'm not trying to trash him, but he had his opportunity at Miami. They got worse every year he was down there as the defensive coordinator under Manny Diaz. So I don't think he was the answer, but I think he was the, they were kind of forced to go with him because Steve Wilkes left for the NFL right after signing day. So, I don't know. He, he has got to get a, a defensive coordinator in there that knows what the hell he's doing. And, you know, this is his offense. So that's that is on him. But they better just hope that Sam Horn is the future there. And, and I know Missouri, there's a lot of Missouri fans, JC, calling for his job already. And I just think that's I think that's laughable the way he's recruiting. And you know, Missouri is, is we all know is, is not an SEC power by any means, but they pulled off a number of upsets. And I think, you know, there's no better example than old Mark Stoops up there at Kentucky you have got to invest in your program, give it time, let him uh, bring in his talent. And, you know, because in reality, who is Missouri going to get that is just going to come in there and, and and do wonders for that job? I mean, Urban Meyer, I mean, everybody wants Urban Meyer or, or Hugh Freeze or something like that. But those coaches are not are they're just not going to Missouri. No, I could I couldn't see herbs at Missouri. Uh you know, at all. No, 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 no way. So, um, yeah, and you look at it, they've, they've got a tough stretch coming up after Abilene Christian this weekend. And, you know, so they're going to be two and one. But then there's that trip to Auburn. But, of course, of course you never know with Auburn. I, I Shoot, man. Auburn is terrible. I don't know if you watched 20, that San Jose I, State I game. Did. I watched yeah. it, and I didn't think they were that great against Mercer, to be honest with you. I, I thought it was just more of a – they just lined up and ran the ball. So so Auburn plays, what, Penn State this weekend? Right. So imagine if they get destroyed by Penn State, which I, I'm not sitting here saying is going to happen, but certainly could happen. Uh, then all of a sudden, I mean, all that uh, negativity there on the Plains is going to be circling. And then they, they turn around and host Missouri, which should be coming off of a win, like you said, against Abilene. 
I mean, this is, this could be huge for both those coaches and their future at their respective schools. And then it's uh, after Missouri. It's LSU at Georgia at Ole Miss. The LSU Tigers, Mike, uh, I thought, you know, 65-17 against Southern. Yeah, that's fine. It's Southern, you know, from right there uh, in, in town, an in-town game. Uh, you, you know, Brian Kelly called a lot of crap for that loss to Florida State. But, you know, they have a chance if they can beat Mississippi State, really good team that is not historically great in Death Valley. Uh, this weekend, I, I think they have a chance to get back on track. Yeah, and it, they did play horribly in that opener for about three quarters, but somehow managed, uh, you know, a, a solid fourth quarter to nearly steal that one. Uh, but so, you know, there's something to be said for that. Jaden Daniels is is playing pretty well. I, I have yet to watch the Southern game yet. Those are the ones that I I kind of put on the back yeah. burner till uh, Thursday or Friday to try to get around to watching because. I don't know what you learn from a matchup like that, but yeah, this, this is going to be a pivotal game, but like I said, don't overlook Mississippi state. I, I think LSU fans naturally just overlook uh, mm-hmm. Mississippi state. And the thing is LSU, they've got a lot of talent in that secondary, but it's all new pieces. They raided the transfer portal to rebuild their secondary, obviously a new system. These players have not played together. Whereas Mississippi state, they are the most experienced team in the sec. They go about six, seven deep at receiver. And all these receivers have have different roles in that offense. It it may be the best receiving core in the SEC. So I think Mississippi State's got a major advantage uh, in that aspect of the game, at least. And Will Rogers is not going to be phased uh, going into Death Valley. He's, he's played all over this league. Um, I, I would not be surprised if it's a close game, but I would not be surprised either if Mississippi State wins by double digits. <laughs> Michael Bratton for that ACC podcast. One more team to ask you about that we'll circle back to Georgia, Carolina. Uh, briefly, you know, I watched Tennessee and Pitt. I, I thought it was a heck of a game. I felt like it would be uh, a lot of respect for, for both programs. Um, I do think had Pitt not had injuries at quarterback, we could have had a different outcome. What What are your thoughts about – because, look, I, I think it's pretty obvious. Tennessee is going to be able to go up and down the field on just about everybody. Your thoughts about the Tennessee defense? That, that's the question on Rocky Top uh, through two games, your impressions so far. Well, the defense won them the game, JC, yeah. up there at Pitt. Uh, they had a, more quarterback hits than they've had in over a decade. And this was uh, – they didn't get to the quarterback at all at, at against uh, Ball State in the opener. And that was, a, you know, a, a, already a meltdown on Rocky Top, thinking, oh, <laughs> my goodness, we, couldn't, we can't get to Ball State. But, uh, you know, they flipped the script there against Pitt they like you said they knocked out the quarterback um you, you know you're not rooting for injuries or anything but that, that just shows you how hard they were they were just going after him and they, they were they banged up the backup even uh they were forcing turnovers the defense you know that's Tennessee's gonna have to play because Pitt was even moving the ball on him you know you, you you play that bend but don't break I mean Tennessee had an interception in the end zone that was huge, and that was when Pitt was up 10-0. to zero. If Pitt scores a touchdown there, that, that may have been ball game right there. Uh, they just have to be aggressive, force the ball, get to the quarterback, even if you're going to give up big plays. Because like you said, the, the offense is going to score 30 to 40 points in most ball games. So you, you don't have to be dominant by any means. You just got to hold someone under 30, which with, the, with SEC athletes is not too much of an ask. But, yeah, I think, uh, I think Tim Banks – well, I'll give Josh Heupel credit. I didn't even know who the heck that was when he hired him as defensive yeah. coordinator. But I thought even last year he did a good job. Uh, the defense was just lacking star power, lacking depth. 
yet they got a couple of guys that most people around the SEC thought were just average to, to below average players and, mm-hmm. and turn three NFL draft picks. And I think they may do the same on this defense. So Tennessee nearly gave that game away in, in the second half, three consecutive turnovers. There was, there was a muff punt, a, a fumble by the running back, uh, and one other, uh, a blocked punt that Pitt on those three turnovers only got seven points, which again speaks to the defense playing, uh, I know it was a backup quarterback, but the defense playing a little bit above their head. Tennessee, at this point in their program, should never look down upon going on the road and getting a win over a ranked team because Josh Heupel right now, he's got more ranked wins over ranked teams than Dooley, Butch Jones, and Jeremy Pruitt combined. Wow. Josh Josh Heupel's only been there a, a season and two games. (laughs) <laughs> wow. A guy to look out for, Gamecock fans will recognize him because they almost got him. Uh, Byron Young, uh, defensive lineman uh, for Tennessee. Uh, from where they grow, defensive lineman, uh, Hemingway, South Carolina, Carver's Bay High School. That's home to all the gathers, if you guys remember that. The Clifton gathers and Robert Jumpy gathers, all those folks. So they're good defensive linemen there. They got him out of JUCO. Uh, Really during the transition, I think from right before Pruitt left, I was kind of because he was kind of late in recruiting. Right when Beamer got to Carolina, uh, he did some nice things. Uh, I thought uh, for Tennessee and overall, yeah, I, I was with you there. All right, so how how are the Gamecocks going to stay in the game Saturday? Well, I mean it's a tough task, obviously, but I you know I think number one it starts with the fans and just creating a rowdy environment and. and you know Stetson, it it's almost like uh, it's almost like a personal attack at this point. If you say anything bad against old Stetson, yeah, so I'm not gonna say, say anything, I'm not gonna say anything bad about him. But uh, you know the hype may be a, a little out of control because from from the data that I've seen, a lot of his passes are, are short passes. But that speaks to Georgia, and they're just athletes all over the field. They got there in Athens. I mean that there there are legitimately NFL tight end rooms that may not match up with the Georgia Bulldogs. I mean, they're a mismatch for, for every team they're going to face in that aspect of the game. But I think you got to get to Stetson, um, you know, almost like, almost like Kentucky did to Anthony Richardson. And that may sound strange because Anthony Richardson and Stetson are, are two different guys, but, you know, keep Stetson in the pocket, made him, make him beat you down the field, which he may be capable of doing it, but, that that would be my recipe. Don't let him run around, and you know it, it's, it's got to come down to you. Hate to put all the pressure on on Spencer, but I don't know if the Gamecocks can run the ball on Georgia, particularly after what we saw again. Arkansas is a good defense, but they're not incredible uh, on the ground by any means. And and South Carolina had their issues there, obviously. So Spencer and those receivers, again, they have got to connect on those deep shots. It may take three blocked punt touchdowns in this ball game, but you know I, I, that it's going to be a punchline. Everybody's going to be expecting Georgia to roll, but you know what have they done? They've played in Athens, they've played in Atlanta, and I'm just talking about this team. We can't. This is not the national champions coming in here. This is a different ball club coming into Williams Bryce. It's going to be a rowdy environment. It's going to be the one of the top environments Georgia has to play in this season. They could be the difference. Georgia, excuse me, South Carolina has has got to jump out to a lead, get that crowd really into the game, and, and make it a four quarter ball game. And I may have picked South Carolina to beat Georgia in the preseason. I'm certainly <laughs> not. 
I'm not sticking to that at this point in time. But, uh, you know, I don't think it would be like the world's biggest stunner if it did happen at this point. Yeah, through two games, Stetson Bennett completing 75% of his passes, an average of 10.3 yards per completion. Just really, really steady play uh, from him. And uh, not a lot of rushing yards. I think that's something for Carolina to look out for because he he can get, he's got a little he's got some wheels you know he can squirt out of there and make you pay and uh, certainly it's not like tackling KJ Jefferson right <laughs> uh, not a lot of people are well Michael we, we appreciate you joining us today uh, certainly uh, tell everybody where they can tune into your podcast and, and get it downloaded I I think a lot of Carolina's fans are, are avid listeners uh, but for those that aren't let them know uh, I, we had a here in the chat box, we had a request for Cousin Shane. <laughs> he, he's very popular. <laughs> he is the star of the show. Make no mistake, Mike. He, he literally is my cousin, Shane. Uh, he's the funniest guy in, in the world. Um, he does not do any interview requests. I, it's hard for me to get him on my show, and he's the dang co-host. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I try to bring the information. He brings the humor. And, uh, you know, it, it's the top-rated SEC show on, on every platform, Apple, Spotify. We're on YouTube now. We're, we're closing in on 8,000 YouTube subscribers. But, uh, you know, the thing is, we try to cover every single team. We don't just talk Alabama and Georgia and all this. We, t- we cover all 14 SEC football teams, and, and we, do it, uh, we do it daily. So anywhere you get your podcast, you can find that SEC podcast. Yeah, been enjoying your Twitter spaces on Friday too, Mike. Oh, I appreciate it, yeah, Phil. Yeah, yeah. Eight yeah. Mm-hmm. Again, we do things a little differently. Uh, there's a lot of spaces out there, but we are we get drunk and we do them. <laughs> and we and a lot of our fans are they seem pretty drunk when they're on there too. So it's so a good everybody's old time. on the same page, yeah, man. Tailgate party with great analysis, you know. Yeah, right. <laughs> like a tailgate party, but yeah, I love uh, during the pandemic. You guys really got me through because I would listen to you guys uh, every day. Um, driving around or whatever, just worried that there weren't going to be a season. And, you know, you'd hear that beer crack from cousin Shane and I'd just be like, ah, I'm home, you know, well, Mike, we appreciate it. This won't be the last time we talked to you. Uh, Certainly good to uh, speak today and uh, looking forward to our next conversation, buddy. Absolutely. Thanks for having me guys. Thanks Thanks, Mike. Mike. Michael Bryden for that SEC podcast. Woo. Love to have that guy. Mm -hmm. And cousin Shane is hilarious. Yeah, yeah, y'all are missing he, out if you're not listening to this. He's, he's he's got what I call like a Tennessee accent. Like p- people from Tennessee, it's not universal, but sometimes people from Tennessee talk up here. Yeah. You know, they're like, "Well, I'm from you, man, from Tennessee." You know, I'm from Tennessee. Whereas down south, we're kind of more like, "Hey, how you doing?" You know, but Tennessee <laughs> people is a little more nasal. Hey, I'm from Tennessee, and he's definitely Tennessee. So I'm just want to say this about the balls. Something like. <laughs> Cockney Southern a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I, I say that because I lived in Tennessee for a while, and that's just kind of how they thought. Some of them. Uh, anyway, we are going to be back. More of the Nana's Porch chat box. Uh, and Craig says he has the SEC podcast koozie. I have one, too. They sent me one. It was very nice of them. Nice. Um, and all that. More Nana's Porch chat box. When we get back, Phil's going to tell you about Manscaped. Uh, this hour of the podcast, by the way, is brought to you by uh, the Burgess and team at Remax at the Lake, uh, commercial real estate agent. Also, our guest line is sponsored by Meredith Taylor, uh, who will be back in October to talk more golf and Gamecocks and all that. She's got uh, 100,000 
uh, or so charity golf tournaments to, to play in. And she's working on her online course and all that. So it's very exciting. Uh, but I uh, wanted to remind you guys of those sponsors. But when we get back, we'll do Manscaped. We're going to catch up the iHealth Consulting mailbag because there's a lot of tweets and uh, two or three emails to get to. And then back to uh, our interaction in the chat box to close it out here on a Tuesday. Uh, this is Inside the Game House, the show. We'll be back after these messages. If you're looking to sell or buy multifamily property right here in South Carolina, the Burgesson team of Remax at the Lake can help you get to closing fast and easy. Adam and Derek Burgesson both are very proud Gamecocks and are more than happy to assist you with any of your commercial real estate needs all across the state. You can email Adam at aburgesson at remax.net. That's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at remax.net to get your next deal underway. The Burgesson team, proud sponsors of Inside the Gamecocks. Attention golfers of all ages and skill sets. Former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor will be a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina very, very soon. You want to take advantage of this opportunity. If you're like me and you got to get a whole lot better at golf, or even if you're looking to refine your swing, Meredith is the person you need to go to. She's competing in her final USGA mid-amateur tournament this summer before going full-time into teaching and coaching individuals. If you're in South Carolina, Meredith will be conducting in-person golf lessons at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course. She'll play 9 or 18 with you. If you're out of state, though, this is really exciting. She'll be conducting virtual lessons. You can send in your swing for her expert analysis. Also, in November, she'll launch an online course with video instruction for all ages and skill levels. Meredith has 20-plus years of knowledge, former SEC golfer, all of that. So contact her on Twitter, at Taylor at M-E-R-T-A-Y-L-O-R, or go to McKellarEnterprises.org. McKellar spelled M-C-K-E-L-L-A-R, Enterprises.org. Her email's on the website, so you can connect with her for any other questions. Go get your golf game in order. Take advantage of Meredith Taylor and her services. Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it. Let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Let's say you need catering. You need a food truck. You just need to get some delicious food to feed some people. Nana's Porch is the place for you. I've known Chris, the owner, for years now. Uh, They helped with the Big Spur Golf Tournament. Uh, catering it. It was delicious. I highly encourage you uh, to go visit nanasporch.com. That's nanasporch.com right now uh, to take a look at their services, their menu items, everything you may need for your event, the professionalism, the food, the taste. uh, It's unrivaled uh, in this space. 336-259-7550 is the phone number. Or again, Go to nanasports.com. Uh, we talk about them all the time. They uh, sponsor the chat line here on the podcast, but uh, wanted to tell you about it right here, straight from JC. Tell them JC sent you, uh, and please support this Gamecock-owned and operated business. Also a proud sponsor of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Hey, man, are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests. 
Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues, and I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly. Oh, I feel that, man. My head hurts, but I have a good lead on a good idea. I'm calling your boy Matthew Odom today from Heritage Digital. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in making sure your IT network runs like a dream. If you have one or 500 employees, it doesn't matter. They do it all for one monthly fee and have clients from South Carolina all the way to California. Yeah, I heard that monthly fee's low too, so I don't know why I didn't even think of that. Uh, do you have 843-699-1001 as Matt's contact number? Yeah, man, I sure do that, or you can go to heritagedigital.com. Man, I hear they do a no-cost assessment. Boy, this will help me. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I'm getting on that and encouraging everyone else to do the same. Heritage Digital, 843-699-1001 or heritagedigital.com, a proud sponsor of Inside the Gamecocks the show hey mo Cobble here from carolina gamecocks you're listening to inside the gamecocks the show with jc and phil thanks mo. thanks mo get well soon uh, man hope surgery goes well absolutely man mm. i know that's a tough loss man tough that loss. was brutal that was brutal Uh, Y'all just remember support for inside the Gamecocks is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below the waist grooming Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. Uh, They recently uh, launched the ultimate in men's hygiene bundle, the performance package, which I brought a couple of things up to show you. Uh-oh. Yeah, yeah. Visual look. aids, Phil. The lawnmower 4.0. It's nice. Fits yeah. right in your hand. Rechargeable. Perfect. It's got a great little light on it. Uh, you know, comes with some guards. So if fresh out of the womb is not the look for you, you can have adjustable lengths there. And uh, they also <laughs> provide you with a nice uh, clean sack, Manscaped does, to keep all your stuff in like this. It comes in the package, too. Uh, it's great. Everything fits in there. They'll also give you a nice pair of boxer briefs. Just remember, you get 20% off with free worldwide shipping with the code BIGSPUR at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with the code BIGSPUR at manscaped.com. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the right job with Manscaped. That was literally the best Manscaped commercial I've ever heard. <laughs> I love it. Like the nice clean sack was us. Yes, I've got mine sitting over. I there. know it's great. I like it. It carries yeah. everything. And even toothbrush is my new travel bag. I, I, I could <laughs> tell people my fiance took my sack. Whether it's it <laughs> into a whole whole different thing. Way to go, Phil. That was epic. All right. Um, hour number two brought to you by the Burgesson team at Remax at the Lake. And uh, IHL Consulting sponsors our mailbag. They've been the sponsor for a long, long time, since before we even started the show. I uh, got lots to get to here, Phil. Pretty interesting stuff. Uh, there was something that got, uh, there's something about the Spurs Up show in there that I, and Chris, and I don't know, uh, I, you know Chris. Uh, y'all get divided on Chris. Y'all, y'all are divided. Chris has his fans, but he also doesn't have his fans, and, that, and that's fine. I'm not getting into that. I like Chris. Nope. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and admittedly, I don't, because his show's kind of the same time ours is, uh, it's an hour behind. I don't always listen to what he says, so I'm not saying I back everything he says up 100% or, or don't. I mean, you, you could disagree and still have respect for people and, and all that, I would think. Um, so anyway, Slavo comes in, Slavo Rat, I think that's how you pronounce it. He's quoting Keith from yesterday, he says, stats are for losers. <laughs> and that's true. I've heard that a long time, stats are for losers. So 
that's uh that's uh, definitely one of those things um okay that's not a t- all right so heath comes in he says hey jc and phil a few questions so i'll take these kind of rapid fire then you can chime in phil yeah. uh, if rj comes back rj roderick and is only 75 percent, do you think emin warrior has earned the right to get the most snaps i'm gonna say yes and i expect him to get the most snaps yeah same yeah Number two, I'm calling the season a success. If we go four and two in the East, thoughts? It depends on the overall record. Yeah. You know, I hate to say it because I didn't want to even begin the season like this. It was like, well, we could have the exact same record of six and six so long as it looked better. I'm like, no, you need to make a step. You got to, you know, you're going to have to, you got to change the tide against Missouri. Uh, same thing against Kentucky. I mean, you know, I know they went in there into the swamp and beat Florida, but uh, I don't think they're <laughs> this, you know, monolith that can't be moved, right? So we got our opportunities here. If you yeah. lose to Georgia, you lose to Georgia, okay? I mean, that may very well happen. If not, hey, we might catch them sleeping, but uh, I don't think you need to lose any other games in the East. Yeah, and I, our boy Brad Crawford has this SEC power rankings. I don't agree. Now, keep in mind, Brad – had Kentucky, I think, at 10 and 2. So he's higher on the Wildcats than maybe Mike. And I meant to ask Mike about that win down in Gainesville. Look, man, if you stop Anthony Richardson, you're going to stop Florida this year. They don't have much offense. That's it. That team is all about number 15. If yeah. you can stop him, you can win. <laughs> yeah. I mean, seriously, that's he's they're kind of a you know one-trick deal. And Utah, I'm still convinced Utah could not play that well. Uh, down in the elements in the swamp in the opener. But, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. So Kentucky currently third in the 24-7 sports SEC power rankings. Gamecocks are ninth uh, ahead of A&M, LSU, Auburn, and then Missouri and Vandy are bringing up the rear. Uh, I think four and two in the east would be tremendous. I think five and one would be even better. Uh, Win your games at home, you know, look, and I know I just kind of sounded negative on Florida, but, they're still good enough. I mean, going down there is tough. Yeah, yeah, um, if you're still playing ready, there, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I would hope the Gamecocks, by the time they t- the time Tennessee rolls into town in November, a lot of the issues Gamecocks have will be solved. Um, yeah, and all that good stuff. It's still uh, just but, so early to be so fatalistic. You know, there's so many people out there just like, oh, what was me? It was like, damn, yeah, we, let's, we played two games. Yeah, I mean, look, you go four and two in the East – uh, and, and let's say A&M doesn't solve anything. Because, I mean, look, I, I think it's maybe, uh, you know, first and foremost, I don't think the Gamecocks are going to be playing the Aggies every year for very much longer, uh, maybe not very much longer at all. Um, so they're not going to have to play them every year. But I, it's kind of a now or never thing, I think, with, yeah. with A&M. I think they're coming to Columbia. Both teams have an open date the week before um, and all that good stuff. So, uh, so maybe you beat A and M, you split. So that's a five and three record in the in the in the SEC. You got, you know, three non conference wins. Hopefully, you know. I hope we're not sitting there talking about losing to uh, Charlotte or SC State. Uh, oh Lord, no. <laughs> um, and uh, and then Clemson. So that's Phil. Dare I say that's eight wins heading into Clemson if yeah. they go two. Eight wins heading into Clemson. Yeah, four um, you know. in, in the in the East, you know, uh, and I and I think that's the next step performance wise for this program. I think you've got to go, you know, whether whereas like right now this program's struggling with Missouri, they've lost three straight. Struggling with Tennessee, lost three straight. Struggling with Kentucky, lost seven of nine. 
you know, and then they occasionally will upset an Auburn or, or beat a Florida or, you know, win at Georgia for some reason in 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think they need to get back to, to, to beating those teams because at some point you lose enough and they've passed you, you know, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you don't want that perception out there. I mean, I, I still think, but, but I, I think at least in, I like the Gamecocks' chances with Missouri and Vandy right now. I, I, I sort of like them with A&M right now. Uh, I, I don't think Kentucky's, uh, you know, you know, at some point the Gamecocks are going to be due against them. Um, right. mm-hmm. I, I did not think their win in the Swamp was some, uh, you know, defining moment. I, I thought they were the better team Saturday night, period. Yeah. They, and then that was – that and Florida did not play all that well, so – there you go. And then uh, the third question from Heath is, is Moe's injury the same knee here in high school? My understanding is yes, it is. Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah. Sad, uh, uh, yeah. Gabe got pastor answered for us. He said, Evan Warren needs to start. That's definitely a success. Losses to Georgia and Tennessee. So put us in great position. While we're conceding that Tennessee game, it's so far off. Uh, the poll question today, it's about 80%. Fans say the game cops will not. Scratch 100 yards rushing Saturday. <laughs> I, I voted optimistically on that. I put yes. Yeah, you know, I mean, they need to. You yeah. Know uh, right. Yeah. I mean, if you want to win the game, that's it's going to have to look like that. <laughs> R. Baby, uh, better known as Muck Fark Stoops, <laughs> says, I'd rather <laughs> have his Garcia, Alabama game, and we upset the Bull Kitties in Columbia. Put a stamp on that, Jack. Uh, I agree, Spencer. Like, if you're talking about that game uh, with Alabama a few years back, keep in mind Marcus Lattimore had a great game. It, it, Garcia was the story, you know, right? Because they 17 for 20, that was amazing. But yeah. I, I think in terms of the accuracy and 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 you know what Stephen did in that game that was great. You know, he left it all on the field, and then what what was given to him by that defense or the matchups they had and the plays they had, he executed. Yeah, um, you can't leave points on the field like he did last week uh, against this Bulldog team. You know, you just can't uh, can't do it. Uh, Chandler says the 19 percent has lost their minds <laughs> as far as like uh, the uh, I guess the, uh, you know, the 19 that say. Uh, the Gamecocks are going to rush for over 100. Yeah, probably so. Yeah, yeah is not that tall of a task, I wouldn't think. It's, it's um, a hundred yards, <laughs> and then that's all of it from the from the Twitter. Uh, I help consulting mailbag. By the way, you can get into the mailbag. Tweet to at the Big Spur Pod or email inside the gamecast at gmail.com. Thanks to I help consulting for sponsor it. Uh, VJ chimes in. He goes, "Holy cow! I just listened to Keith's segment, mm-hmm. and he says uh, he's a hundred percent accurate." and uh quite humorous <laughs> he is you know in this thing he's like the coaches need to bring their guts and go fight um and for some reason i don't know why my gmail is not opening emails at this point Uh-oh. so i don't know i don't know why that's the case uh but yeah i mean you talk about the the fight uh in the team and the all that and I don't, you know is it is it coaching i don't know is it, are these guys in need, need of being a little bit more self-starting, 
Yeah, well, Belmont goes on because uh, I've got it pulled up here, JC. He's like, it's oh, time yeah. for some leaders to step up and lead this team. So it was like, he doesn't know if it's Rattler, Pickens, or other. But yeah, no, along those same lines, it was like, these guys need to step up. It's not all coaching. It's ev- it's everything across the board. And it's going to take it all Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> and he says, kudos to Lloyd for going to the coaches and telling them not to abandon the run. Yeah. And then he says, which we successfully mixed in for exactly one more drive before abandoning <laughs> it again. Uh, leader just disrupt and don't ask for permission first. It's so early in the season. We have another big game. Let's go Uno and Gamecocks. No quit. Uh, and look, I've, I've been impressed with Marshawn, and I agree with him wanting the dang ball. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I talked to somebody after the game inside the program, and, you know, he kind of raised the question, run the dang ball. You know, mm-hmm. run it. And How many uh, times do you see it where it was like, you know, you get one or two yards for a few carries and then that one or two starts turning into three or four. And then it was like, and now they're having to fight. The defense is having to fight against the rush. And then in the fourth quarter, you break one off for 25. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I, yeah you're finally there. And I like I I was looking, somebody had um, a post on the board that that, that last drive of the first half, um, you know, here we go. So. The fourth drive of the game, right? Okay. So Lloyd runs for two. You get a P.I. McDowell six yards on the ground. McDowell 14 on the ground. Rattler scrambles for eight. Lloyd gets one yard. Bell, no gain. Lloyd for three. Rattler scrambled for three. Personal foul against Arkansas. And then Lloyd runs it in seven for the touchdown. They got no – you know, maybe they got lost on me, Phil, that, that scoring drive before the half. South Carolina got no passing yards on that drive. None. Yeah, none. <laughs> now, obviously, the Rattler scrambles were probably called throws, but yeah. I mean, here's the thing about that, and, and it's why I said, you know, one of the keys of the game was get Rattler involved in the running game is because he was one of the top dual threat quarterbacks coming out of high school. So the, yeah. cat, the cat can run. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's not he's not like Caleb Williams, but I mean, he, he gets no. yardage. Yeah. Uh, really. and, and, and a lot of times you know, they're not really expecting it to come as a called run. And, you know, just like he went around the eight yards, eight yard run first to open uh, the game. Yeah. First deal, you know, and then hit Brooks on the pass and then bell runs for six. And then the whole thing falls apart. <laughs> so, uh, I think when you try to run the ball, good things do happen. Um, I, I would have liked to have seen them when they got the ball back, Phil, after making the stop on fourth and one down 21, 16 to maybe try to commit to it a little more. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and get the get that kind of get the uh, get the run game going in that situation because your defense is gassed anyway. I mean, you know, you need to kind of let them rest for a little bit uh, and get a drive going. Um, mm-hmm. and that obviously didn't happen in the fourth quarter. It was just you know chaos. <laughs> yeah, and it's like when Lloyd coughed up the ball, you know, off of that pass, yeah. and I just like I almost. You know, I know it's his fault, but it was like, you know, what if you just handed it to him? Yeah. <laughs> what if you just handed it to him? <laughs> Evan chimes in. He says, what influence, if any, has Freddie Kitchens had on the offense? Uh, analyst jobs are to coach the coaches. So I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what, what if I don't see kind of anything different. I notice he's on the field with sat during games. I'm not sure if he's allowed to be in the box. I don't know a whole, whole lot about the offenses the Kitchens has ran as an offensive coordinator head coach. If you could talk about it a little bit different about his offenses in the past. Well, he's called ball plays in the NFL, I think, for a couple of seasons. Um, and was a head coach there for a while. Uh, players love him. Um, as far as scheme and stuff, I mean, he did a really good job with Baker Mayfield one year with the Browns. I, I, 
I don't, I know he kind of comes from the Bruce Arians coaching tree, mm -hmm. um, you know, but that's, you know, he's different than Sat in the sense that, you know, he's a coach that hasn't really spent a whole lot of time in college ball. He, he was at Mississippi State, I think, with Beamer and those guys early and Croom. And then I think he went with the Cardinals and, and wherever else. And, you know, it's just kind of worked in the NFL until this season. And was yeah. it with the Browns when he had both Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt? Wasn't, isn't that when that first started? I think so. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, they, they definitely ran the damn ball. <laughs> yeah, they ran the ball. I mean, he's an old Alabama guy, too. So, I mean, I think he played for Gene Stallings. So, Gene Stallings is going to run the ball, you know. Um, so, I don't know. And I understand this past week's game plan. I get it. I get it. You know, it, it's just, uh, I don't know. <laughs> well, and, and look, Freddie Kitchens, I think, and I knew this was going to happen. The minute, you know, oh, yeah, yeah. there starts to be questions about SAP, people are going to start asking about Kitchens. I don't I don't think he was brought in as an insurance policy or anything. I think no. he was brought in to help the program. And so, um, you know, maybe, maybe there's some things he can say. Uh, Evan says, P.S. Phil. I know you live around a lot of Clemson fans in the upstate, but have you ever been to Oconee County? Oh, yeah. <laughs> he says they worship Dabo, who, by the way, puts puts the cult in culture. I blow a sandstorm every Friday with the windows down through the orange fog past Death Valley. Oh, you better be careful on that one. Though, they have a sniper sitting up there. And what does it say about our program that we play the two biggest cults in college football every year? <laughs> That's uh, I heard somebody say that, man. So, uh, um, yeah, I, I don't, uh, I don't know. It's uh, I haven't spent a lot of time when early in my career for about six months. First job out of college, I worked at the Seneca Daily Journal, so that's okay, right? Um, and it was during. Uh, I guess I got the job when I graduated in May and then June, July, and then heck by August, I was out of there, but uh, got another job. Um, I started applying immediately when I got that job. Uh, nice people that worked there, but a lot of Clemson fans and stuff, but that was the year uh, that Carolina and Clemson both went to the college world series the first time in Oh two. And Clemson was number one with Khalil green and I think everybody just assumed they'd win the whole thing. Well, lo and behold, Tanner, the Gamecocks, Trey Dyson, uh, I think Landon Powell's, all those guys beat them 12 to four and 10 to two. Uh, and the day they beat them 10 to two and knocked them out and got to the finals there, uh, I, 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 it was kind of a nice day at work for me. Right. <laughs> Not a bad day at the office. <laughs> You know, Xavier says, uh, what do you guys think about the review of the game? It was a tough loss, but a lot of positives. First of all, they never stopped fighting. True. Down 21-3, kept it a two-score game and battled it in the fourth quarter. True. Uh, but, good, you know, good teams, though, when they seize momentum, they're like a dog. You know, they yeah. bite the dang thing and they don't let it go. Uh, and Carolina had seized momentum and did not have – you know, and then they turn around and go backward on offense. And then by that, they have this quick drive, and then the defense is just gassed, and that was it. Yeah. O-line played significantly better pass blocking, although they're still not perfect. Yeah, and they didn't face a lot of pressure now. Arkansas right. dropped some people. But, hey, I'll take anything at this point. Mm -hmm. uh, Juice Wells is a dude. I agree. Juice Wells is outstanding. Uh, most importantly, though, you think we can run the ball and just chose not to? You know, when you kind of dissect the game, uh, 
you know, that that first score, I guess it got lost on me. That first scoring drive was all runs. Mm -hmm. well, then you abandoned it. But you got Marshawn Lloyd back there, you know, pretty good player, right? Uh, I think it was third or fourth drive of the game. Arkansas kept getting a three-man front where he ran it down their throat and never tried to go back to the run. And, yeah, and they had favorable boxes, too. Yeah, I, and yeah, I don't know. I think we're going to run the ball, but Sat wants to throw a thought. See, if, if he wants to, you know, see, that's weird, though, because he's supposed to want to – I mean, he's talked about wanting to run it. Mm -hmm. You know, th this whole empty, slinging around the yard thing. Uh, and, and I think sometimes – you know, guys that that, that kind of have his mind, they eat, sleep, live, breathe ball, and they know a lot about it. They try to outsmart themselves and yeah. fool somebody. And it's like, well, yeah, you you can go out and try to fool whoever you want, but you, you got to sometimes look at how your team's built. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and, and I don't know that this team is built to go. Well, I think in game over game, uh, you know, JC, in, in the Georgia State game, I, I think that, you know, and, and Satterfield even admitted to it that he was pressing a little bit with the game calling. But I think that it, that's not what happened this week. This week, I think, was a dogmatic adherence to script. And you can't be that way. <laughs> you have to be flexible. <laughs> I mean, in, this, in this game, you do. A dogmatic adherence to script. <laughs> all of that dude i love that <laughs> that's just what it felt like it was like yeah we're gonna throw this ball and i get it i mean you know that was the game plan but you, you gotta you gotta adapt you gotta be adaptable out of the net sports chat box as we wrap up here on a tuesday edition of inside the game cox the show i'm sorry for hitting the mic stand again i know that booms i gotta figure out something different to do with it like i gotta get this away from my elbow maybe i need to move it further away because I'm kind of, you know, kind of cramped here. Phil was a, a nice open space. I got I'm all spread out. Yeah, oh yeah. I'm literally up against the wall here. Okay. You know, <laughs> you know it's like, hey, welcome to the show. Uh, Ryan says, just seemed like Lloyd was the man that showed the most fire. He was on fire for the win. No idea why they didn't feed the man the ball. I'd, I would have liked to have seen it, Ryan. But yep. uh, we'll see him do it this weekend against a much better defense. Oh. Uh, Nothing against Arkansas's defense, but much better defense. Uh, Twisted Chicken says they'll have to run Rattler more if they're going to break 100. Uh, Phil, Phil had that as a key last week, and I, I still think that's a good idea. What that does is you make the defense account for him, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, now, Georgia, they got a lot of big, fast guys. I mean, they're going to get to the edge. It's not going to be easy. Um, but I, I like that. I like, I like having kind of a little bit of balance. Yeah, you think about the bowl game. South Carolina ran a lot of power runs, but uh, then once you, know, you saw North Carolina kind of adjust, they, they'd hit Juju on the on the outside zone and all that. So mm -hmm. um, Joshua says, my boy Josh, if you're a faithful follower of Dabo, you will drink the orange Kool-Aid. Yes. Clemson, <laughs> very anything. Um, these, uh, Craig says, people need to get over the line play better, but not perfect. No line play is perfect. Bama is ready to get rid of Wolford right now. <laughs> I don't How about know. a trade? Trade, I'll trade you. I agree. No line plays perfect, not in this league. You're going to get pressured. You're going to have defensive lines make good plays. You're going to have guys like Drew Sanders that completely disrupt what you're trying to do. That's a fact of life in the SEC. Uh, but you need to get a push. You need to be able to give your guys room to operate. 
you know, and I think that's that's not a big ask. Not a big ask. DJ goes, Phil drops clean bag and dogmatic in the same segment. That's why I'm here, folks. Proud. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, VJ adds, I hope we dogmatically clean Georgia's bag on Saturday. <laughs> the Bulldogs clean their own bag, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> when that happen? Right, yeah, you know. Ugo will be cleaning his bag at some point. Let's hope that's all we have to pay attention to. It's it's not supposed to be that hot, so it's not going to be one of those games where, uh, yeah, I hope, yeah, you're right, Phil. I hope that's not what we focus on uh, during the football game. But yeah, uh, so it's not supposed to be that hot. So you won't have that. uh, I hate that when Ugga comes and he's just got like a bag of ice in his little (laughs) uh, hut there. Yeah. And he sits on it all day. (laughs) You know, I kind of feel bad about that. You know, I don't know. All right, that's all the time we have for today here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Don't forget Jamie Bradford tomorrow in the second hour. Anybody in the first tomorrow, Phil, or is that wide open? Uh, no, we're wide open. We're going to open. chew it up with the chat box and mailbag. Yeah, send in your mailbag questions inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com or tweet to add the Big Spur pod. Probably going to read Gamecock Pastor's uh, thoughts from the game tomorrow, too, because I haven't gotten to that because it's a, le- a little more long. And uh, we're kind of up against it with these guests. But anyway, appreciate all you guys listening today. This is Inside the Game Crash, the show for Phil Mullinax. This is J.C. Sherbert. We will talk with you guys tomorrow.